Section 7 of The Colonel's Dream This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White The Colonel's Dream by Charles Chestnut Section 7, Chapter 7 The constable who had arrested old Peter led his prisoner away through alleys and quiet streets, though, for that matter, all the streets of Clarendon were quiet in mid-afternoon, to a guard-house or calaboose, constructed of crumbling red brick, with a rusty barred iron door secured by a heavy padlock. As they approached this structure, which was sufficiently forbidding in appearance to depress the most light-hearted, the strumming of a banjo became audible, accompanying a mellow negro voice which was singing to a very ragged ragtime air words of which the burden was something like this what's the use of my working so hard i got a woman in the white man's yard when she cooked chicken she saved me a wing when they lie on working i ain't doing a thing the grating of the key in the rusty lock interrupted the song the constable thrust his prisoner into the dimly lighted interior and locked the door. "'Keep over to the right,' he said curtly. "'That's the nigger's side.' "'But Mr. Haynes,' asked Peter excitedly, "'is I got to stay here all night? I ain't done nothing.' "'No, that's the trouble. You ain't done nothing for a month, but loaf around. You ain't got no visible means of support. So you took up for vagrancy.' "'But I does work when I can get any work to do,' the old man expostulated. "'And if I can just get word to the right white folks, I'll be out of here in half hour. They'll go my bail.' "'They can't go your bail tonight, for the squire's gone home. I'll bring you some bread and meat and some whiskey if you want it. And you'll be tried tomorrow morning.' Old Peter still protested. "'You niggers are always kicking,' said the constable, who was not without a certain grim sense of humor, and not above talking to a negro when there were no white folks around to talk to, or to listen. "'I never see people so hard to satisfy. You ain't got no home, and here I've give you a place to sleep and you kicking. You don't know from one day to another where you'll get your meals, and I offer you bread and meat and whiskey, and you're kicking.' You say you can't get nothing to do, and yet with the prospect of a regular job before you tomorrow, you're kicking. I never see the beat of it in all my born days. When the constable, chuckling at his own humor, left the guardhouse, he found his way to a nearby bar room kept by one Clay Jackson, a place with an evil reputation as the resort of white men of a low class. Most crimes of violence in the town could be traced to its influence, and more than one had been committed within its walls. "'Has Mr. Turner been in here?' demanded Haynes of the man in charge. The bartender, with a backward movement of his thumb, indicated a door opening into a room at the rear. Here the constable found his man, a burly, bearded giant, with a red face, a cunning eye, and an overbearing manner. He had a bottle and a glass before him, and was unsociably drinking alone. 
"'Howdy, Haines,' said Turner. "'How's things? "'How many have you got this time?' "'I've got three rounded up, Mr. Turner, "'and I'll take up another before night. "'That'll make for fifty dollars for me "'and the rest for the squire.' "'That's good,' rejoined Turner. "'Have a glass of liquor. "'How much do you suppose the squire find bud?' "'Well,' replied Haines, drinking down the glass of whiskey at a gulp, "'I reckon about twenty-five dollars.' "'You could make it fifty just as easy,' said Turner. "'Niggers are all just a passel of black fools. "'Bud would have been out now if it hadn't been for me. "'I bought him for six months. "'I kept close watch of him for the first five, "'and then along towards the middle of the last month "'I let on I'd got careless.' and a run away. Course, I put the dogs on him, and followed him here, where his woman is, and got you after him, and now he's good for six months more. The woman is a likely gal and a good cook, said Haines. She'd be worth a good deal to you out at the stockade. That's a show fact, replied the other, and I need another good woman to help around. If we'd have thought about it, and give her a chance to hide Bud and feed him before you took him up, we could have filed a charge against her for harboring him. Well, I can do it next time, for he'll run away again. They always do. Bud's got a vile temper. Yes, but he's a good field hen, and I'll keep his temper down. Have something more? I've got to go back now and feed the prisoners, said Haines, rising after he had taken another drink and I'll stir Bud up so he'll raise hell, and tomorrow morning I'll make another charge against him. That'll fetch his fine up to fifty and costs, which will give him to me till the cotton crop is picked, and several months more to work on the Jackson Swamp Ditch if Fetters gets the contract. You stand by us here, Haines, and help me get all the hands I can out of this county, and I'll give you a job at Sycamore when your time's up here as constable. Go and feed the niggers, and stir up Bud, and I'll be on hand in the morning when court opens. When the lesser of these precious worthies left his superior to his cups, he stopped in the bar-room and bought a pint of rot-gut whiskey, a cheap brand of rectified spirits, colored and flavored to resemble the real article, to which it bore about the relation of vitriol to lie. He then went into a cheap eating-house, conducted by a negro for people of his own kind, where he procured some slices of fried bacon and some soggy corn-bread, and with these various purchases wrapped in a piece of brown paper, he betook himself to the guard-house. He unlocked the door, closed it behind him, and called Peter. The old man came forward. "'Here, Peter,' said Haines. "'Take what you want of this, and give some to them other fellows.' and if there's anything left after you've got what you want, throw it to that sulky black hound over yonder in the corner. He nodded toward a young negro in the rear of the room, the Bud Johnson who had been the subject of the conversation with Turner. Johnson replied with a curse. The constable advanced menacingly, his hand moving toward his pocket. Quick as a flash, the negro threw himself upon him, the other prisoners, from instinct or prudence or hope of reward, caught him, pulled him away, and held him off until Haines, pale with rage, rose to his feet and began kicking his assailant vigorously. With the aid of well-directed blows of his fists, 
he forced the negro down who unable to regain his feet finally whether from fear or exhaustion lay inert until the constable having worked off his worst anger and not deeming it to his advantage seriously to disable the prisoner in whom he had a pecuniary interest desisted from further punishment i might send you to the penitentiary for this he said panting for breath but i'll send you to hell instead you'll be sold back to mr fetters for a year or two to-morrow and in three months i'll be down at sycamore as an overseer and then i'll learn you to strike a white man you blank the remainder of the objurgation need not be told but there was no doubt from the expression on haines's face that he meant what he said and that he would take pleasure in repaying in overflowing measure any arrears of revenge against the offending prisoner which he might consider his due he had stirred bud up very successfully much more so indeed than he had really intended he had meant to procure evidence against bud but had hardly thought to carry it away in the shape of a black eye and a swollen nose end of section seven recording by james k white chula vista